that was shit. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's our first ever professional athlete interview. And you've got no we've got a, we've got an interview. It might be all right. Let's see how Doug edits it. I haven't heard it. <laughs> Okay, hello everybody. This is the 66th episode of the Long Snapper podcast. I am hosting at short notice. I am Adam. I'm joined by Mark, Doug and Russ. Uh, good evening to you all. Good evening. Good, e- good evening. Oh. Better late than never. Better late than never. Where's we've, Craig? Where's Craig gone? We don't know where Craig is. Craig, we've lost we just you. Don't, we just don't know. Uh, we've had some technical issues on top of that um, with, <laughs> with Doug's internet. Um, Sadly, Russ hasn't been able to sort it out, which seems seems a bit a bit poor from uh, disappointing, good, isn't it? Really disappointing, disappointing. considering <laughs> considering his open reach expertise. I know I've been a bit busy this afternoon doing actual work. Well, a- actual busy work. More important than that, you've you, Russ and Doug have been interviewing Christian Scotland Williamson, a rugby player who is trying to make it in the NFL this year so we'll we'll come to that we, we're going to stick that um stick that on at some point um but as is traditional um I've got a little quiz more of a little game um for you all I love so your games this, Adam good good this is the bit where you pay attention to the rules and this <laughs> game is called alphabet playoff quarterback um so what you're each gonna have to do when I call on you is to name a quarterback who, simple as this, simple as this, who has thrown for 1,500 yards or more in the playoffs. Um, in total? And in total. In ever. their career, e- in the playoffs. Ever. Has thrown for 1,500 yards or more in the playoffs. How it's going to work, you have two lives each. When you've lost them, you're out, and it's last man standing. Um, if you get one right, you get to nominate, at your choice, one of the, one of the other two to have the next one. Um, each time, though, I'm going to give you a letter. And you have to name a quarterback whose surname starts with that letter. Does that all sound clear? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I kind of feel like I'm like me and Doug are at a bit of an advantage over Russ in this as he's oh. been watching the game for like his season and a half. I'm sure. Well, I'm sure you, can, we'll you can offset that by some cruel decisions about who you nominate if you choose. I'll leave that up to you and your conscience. Um, Mark, why don't we start with you? And... I'm going to have a strict kind of 10 seconds for each each player. Um, if you can't get something in a reasonable amount of time, that's it. You lose a life. Move on. Uh, your first letter is going to be B. Brady. Yeah, that'll do. Who are you going to nominate? Uh, Dougie. Dougie. Uh, you're going to have the letter M. What about beginning with M? Yeah. Marino. Uh, Marino will just about do with 4,510 yards, and you can nominate. M. <laughs> M as in Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought I had to nominate the letter and the oh, name. Amazing. Sorry. No, no, no. Um, I, I'll pick the letter. Uh, Mark, Russ, you might just not get involved to be last man standing. This could be quite amazing. Yeah, that's um, Mark, you can have letter F for Freddy. F. Five. Yeah, well done. Nominate. Uh, Let's go, Russ. Oh, amazing. Can't wait. Russ, you can have the letter W. W. Oh, tremendous. Um, 
try and think of your own team in recent well, years. Yeah, well, I don't know much about the Cardinals pre Carson Palmer, do I? So, uh, um, this is where this the, this game falls a bit flat. But we'll uh... think of a famous cartoon brothers that both created cartoons. All right, think think of a team. Oh, the, you're... What Warner? Kurt, right, Kurt Warner. Well done. There we go. <laughs> uh, who would you Cheers, like to nominate? Uh, I'll nominate Doug. Okay, Doug, you can have the letter E. Um, no, don't know. Okay, you could have had John Elway. He was actually the only one. Uh, Russ, do you want to nominate again? Doug's lost the life. Uh, I'll, I'll go back to Mark, please. Okay, Mark, your letter is R. R. Um, Rogers? Yeah. Simple as that. Who are you going to go with? I will go back to Dougie. Okay, Dougie. Uh, your letter is K. K? K. Kelly. Yeah, well done. And who are you going to nominate? Mark. Mark. <laughs> uh, Mark, you can have letter A. A. Um... A. Oh, um... Ape. Yeah, perfect. Um... Who's next? It's Russ. Russ, okay. Uh, Russ, um, you can have the letter S. 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 Oh, great. Um, uh, Listen, uh, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get that. (coughs) Pass. Okay. Um, I'll... I don't like I don't like doing it, but I'll take take a take a life away. Well, no, you could, yeah, have, yeah. could have had Alex Smith, <laughs> Phil Sims. I could have had Alex Stanley. Smith, the yeah. goat, the goat, the, the goat. greatest of all time. Yeah, fuck. Uh, I think he just could I have had Matt, could I have had Matt Stafford? No, no, didn't think so. He's the only no. one I know at the moment. We're going to let Sam Smith. Uh, Mark, do you want to nominate again? Uh, well, might as well get a Dougie then. Uh, Dougie, you can have the letter H. Um, you've not had the rub of the green with this, actually. Oh, so you're not just picking the letters randomly, then? I'm. No, well, I I'm, don't know. Uh, I've kind of, they've kind of gone in order of easiness, difficulty. Uh, no, Matt Hasselbeck. You could have had. <laughs> that was it. Wow. Um, Mark, you're. Question or nominate, is it? Uh, yeah, yeah. One. <laughs> Russ, you'll go then. Surely that uh, would have been that would have been a better format for this quiz, Adam, just for future reference. For you. <laughs> you can retrospectively add the music in for 50. And we tried to do this the other day, um, whenever it was that William G. Stewart died and it worked even worse than this. Uh, Russ, your letter is L. L. Um... Lang. You've just made up a name, haven't you? I have, yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'm afraid there's no quarterback called Lang who has thrown for 1,500 yards in the playoffs, at least. Or ever um, played. That I'm surprised you didn't say 
Daryl LaMonica. Oh, fucking hell. But that must have been on the tip of his tongue. literally right on the tip of my tongue. As would have been Andrew Luck. Oh. Well, considering, I, considering we drafted Andrew Luck in the Fantasy League this year, um, and he didn't see a snap, then, uh, yeah. Well, he's uh, not this year. He's seen plenty of playoff, enough, play- well, enough playoff snaps to get himself 1,829 yards. Uh, Mark, you're this week's winner. Which seems to happen a bit too often for my liking. It's started to become... Then the other people need to up their game, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> they, they need to pay attention in Doug's case. <laughs> I don't know what he's, he's reading. <laughs> Qu- um, quarterbacks beginning with the letter H. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Sorry. Shall we talk some NFL? And we are into the good stuff. We are approaching the divisional round of the playoffs. Which it was. It wasn't that good, Adam. Let's be honest. No, so well, we're approaching the good stuff. Yeah. Um, we've had some. Well, I think we've had some pretty good stuff. Wildcard yeah. weekend. Uh, did we all enjoy Wildcard weekend? Firstly. No. no. Okay. <laughs> Move I on. never enjoy wildcard weekend. This is just I, I just don't get it. Well, there we go. Um, I <laughs> I enjoyed wildcard weekend. There's a lot of happiness um, on the pod today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought on on the whole, I thought like half the, two of the games were brilliant. Two of the games were crap. Um, I'm just unfortunately my team happened to be the crappest of the lot. I I, I actually quite. Why don't we start there? As, oh, as start with the cheeriest, the cheeriest game, um, Bills at Jags. I actually quite enjoyed it in a weird, like sadistic kind of way. Kind of, uh, just two fantastic defenses, but but that, both of them really, were against really shitty offenses. Yeah, um, it was a bit of a chess match at times in the battle for field position. Um, the great stat about seventeen punts in the game. Um, I guess quarterbacks being quite careful. Um, Taylor and Bortles both are well aware of their limitations, but um, it was a bit of Bortles' legs which ended up being the difference. Um, Mark, I guess you've had you've got some misery that you'd like to share with us. It was just it was so typical, as as I think I said to you guys. You know, imagine imagine waiting eighteen years to make the playoffs, and then in your first playoff game, managing to put up three points. Um, everyone knows that the Jags have got a decent secondary, and it wasn't going to be easy to score a shitload of points on them. But they didn't have to play that well to beat us. The fact that RD played brilliantly stopped the run to a, a large degree that everyone thought we wouldn't be able to. Um, and, you know, Blake Bortles only managed 87 yards through the air to go away in the playoffs in the first round and keep a team to 10 points. If someone had said to me that the Bills would do that, I would have thought that we would have won the game. Um, but Tyrod Taylor was appalling. Um, it's... I know that I've had beef with him throughout the season and he, up to now he's probably been our best option. But to go 17 of 37 for 134 yards and an interception, um, he never looked like score, like making the correct decisions. When the Bills had the ball on the one-yard line and the coach calls in a, a run-pass option that he elects to go for the pass and then misses the receiver by a million miles... Um, it's not good enough decision-making. 
there was a period in the third, third or fourth, early fourth quarter where Tony Romo is going through play by play and he's showing the receivers that are stood almost in the parking lot by themselves. Yeah. That Tyrell that. Taylor yeah. just doesn't see. And it's, I think this is the thing that Bills fans that have watched the games have seen the whole season and all the people that see the highlights and see Tyrod Taylor throwing the odd touchdown pass think he's better than he actually is. Um, but everyone saw this game and it's everyone knows now what Bills fans have known for a couple of years. The guy isn't good enough and never will be. And I'm convinced that this is the nail in his Buffalo coffin. You were in the playoffs, mate. Yeah, we weren't Watch in the playoffs. Out a bit. We weren't in the playoffs because of him. No, the Chiefs weren't in the playoffs because of Alex Smith. I, he, um, I think that's unfair. Oh, well, we all we all know that this podcast is grounding the greatest quarterback that's ever lived. So <laughs> you know, that, that's fair enough. I mean, we're in we're in the playoffs because our, because of our D and because of Lashawn McCoy. It's not right. Really, well, then you should have been able to utilize that to greater effect. And we, well, we did use our. We, football's we a team. Get, football's a team sport. To put it all on Taylor's shoulders is 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 wrong. The I offensive just, line I, should have made I, bit, better holes for the Sean uh, McCoy. The coaches should have done a better for, job of scheming. He still ran for eighty yards. He still ran as much as Leonard Fournette did. Do you know what? There were there were parts even of, given the option. There were parts of that game that I actually I actually thought the Bills. Had a good had a good chance for that sort of middle part of the game. They seem to be do a little bit more on offense than Jacksonville, which wasn't wasn't saying much, admittedly. And I thought, you know, it only takes a couple of drives where they do do manage to find the end zone, which should never happen, unfortunately. Um, but then then Bortles found his legs and just I, just a bit of improvisation. That was that was all they needed. One drive. It's a good job. It's a good job because he couldn't find his arm. No, he, he rushed for more yards than he threw. I texted you guys, I think maybe half time, was it, or was it Twitter, and said that both teams need to be running read option. Like, yeah, if, so I might see a tweet actually. If, um, if Tyrod Taylor, if you've got Tyrod Taylor, a running quarterback whose greatest asset is not seeing wide open receivers, then use him in, a, use him in more creative ways. It's a failure of coaching to not play to your strengths. I think he had plenty of options. If, if you want, if you want Tyrod, you. if you want Tyrod Taylor to be a pocket passer, then that that's you're, all you're doing that for is because you perceive that that's the way that NFL quarterbacks should play the game. They weren't asking him to be a, a pocket passer in that game. But they weren't telling. You, they weren't telling saying, him to sit there. I'm saying that he's got the time. He can do what he wants to do, but he didn't run the ball. And when he did throw the ball, he missed people or didn't see him. Do you, do you he, ends up, that, he ends do you up think... hanging onto the ball for seven seconds and then throwing a check down to four yards away. That's, that's do, his decision. Do you think that it would be any different for any other quarterback of that standard against that Jacksonville secondary? Yes, because there are other quarterbacks that would have seen those open receivers. We were only one... Decent, decent, big play away from tying that game, but you ain't going to get that with him, ever. I'll tell you what. Let's let's preview the Jags' next game. Let's do it do it like this. Let's take one kind of one winner at a time. The Jags are going to go on to Pittsburgh, and that's where I w- I would have said they're going to be up against a quarterback who will be able to find. I think there's a fair chance. Yeah, I'd, I'd say. Well, let let me let me put my house on the fact that he's not going to throw another five interceptions like he did in their famously in their first game 
um, which was a, a 30 to nine win for the for the Jags. The Steelers since then have gone 10 and one. Um, the Jags haven't <laughs> without the numbers <laughs> off, the, off the top of my head. But um, Bortles looked, he's been Shocking. inconsistent. I mean, he, he had a decent game back then. He's had the odd decent game. I'd say he's had, he's had more where he hasn't looked good and that the defense have, have got them out of jail. I don't see lightning striking twice. Um, can anybody see a way that the, the Jags can win again in, I was about to say, Three Rivers? How old am I? Heinz Field. The, the Jacksonville secondary is a historically, statistically historically good secondary. So, yes, I can see them having a decent game. Yes, I can see them go. They've already been there and won. And you say that Lightning doesn't strike twice. Well, yeah, that's already been proven not to be the case in the playoffs, hasn't it? I think there's only two. Did I not hear a stat that there are only two teams with a winning record against the Patriots all time? One of them against the Steelers all time. One of them is the Patriots, and the other one is the Jaguars. That's a good stat if you did. Um, I'm sure I heard yeah. that at some stage. And they've not. They have. You know, they I'd, I'd say taken. skewed by them being in the AFC Central together in the early years of the Jags when the Jags quite were possibly. good. Yeah, yeah, quite yeah. Possibly. That, I, I can possibly. That. But but why can't they go and do it again? It's a, you, you, I think everyone is so caught up with Blake Bortles being rubbish that they're failing to see what's right under their nose, which is, it is we're talking 85 Bears, we're talking Baltimore Ravens, Ray Lewis, we're talking all-time defences that, that the Jags are putting on the field. They ain't going to need... There aren't... Unless the Steelers wake up, play out of their minds, it's not going to be easy for them. All Bortles has got to do is catch fire for a couple of drives. That's all he's got to do to keep them in the game. And he's done it numerous occasions. Or the you take Bortles out of the equation and the O-line step up and Fournette four goes on a rampage. He's so been quiet so you, late. He has. He's, been, uh, he's, he, he's hit a bit of a slump, hasn't he? Um, I think he's hurt, maybe, because he's yeah. not running with the same power and dynamism that he was at the start of the season, with, without he, doubt. Didn't he miss a week or two with injury? He missed a week through suspension because uh, of an undisclosed team indiscretion. Yeah, he's, had, he's had a couple of niggles as well, though. He's missed a couple of games. Um, I've read somewhere yesterday or today that speculating that he's a bit I don't know if scared's the right word, but where teams are stacking the box, as as Buffalo did big time, um, he doesn't quite like to run into it um, as as other running backs will. So he's he's made hay a little bit where teams have been a bit more balanced, but where where you've got loads of loads of guys between the tackles stopping the stopping the up the gut runs, he's not been he's not been so keen. Um, we'll see. I mean, I, I I'm convinced that. The Steelers are going to win, as as sadly I'm convinced that the uh, the Patriots will play them in the AFC Championship game. Should we move on to the other side of the AFC? And yeah, can I just one one quick thing before we yes. move on? I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see the Jags actually doing what I suggested and running a bit of read option against the Steelers, having seen how Bortles performed on the ground last week. I could see TJ Yeldon actually being used in that role. Um, read option opens up pass off the read option fakes so you might you might see a little bit of TJ Yeldon out of that formation 
because the Steelers, based on last week, are going to have to respect Bortles' ability to move the ball on the floor. So they might oh, not respect his ability to do it <laughs> through the air. But just just to pick out one guy though, and I thought um, Calais Campbell was absolutely massive at the weekend as well. I just thought literally. it was li- literally massive, and the way the way he can shift. Well, did himself... you see him standing next to Tracy Wolfson in the interview? Yeah, uh, that's just. Maybe that's more a reflection of Tracy Wilson and her height, but, uh, but literally massive. The way he can put himself about for a man of that size is literally incredible. He Good got down, big, yeah, he got down at one yeah. point in one in one play. He got down and, and tap tackled um, Tyrod Taylor in yeah. in like a little ankle tap, and he put him down. And it was just like for a guy of that size, it's just incredible. And you know, I'm just disappointed that we lost him from the cards. To be honest. Yeah, <laughs> hard to argue with that. Um, but yeah, back to back to the Titans who are moving on to New England, having ha ha ha. What a game! Comes from what, what a game! Yeah, can I can I have a bit of love? Um, I'm not going to get much. I know. There's, I got a bit. I had a couple of little arguments on Twitter about there's a little bit of negativity about the fact, not not in a nasty way but pointing out that this means that the Titans are going to hang on to Mike Malarkey um, maybe Terry Rubisky um, and I just kind of wanted to enjoy what was one of the best wins of my team that I've ever seen uh, it's our first playoff win in 14 15 years first playoff game at all for nine um, 21-3 down at halftime it took a little bit of luck it took a Travis Kelsey injury it took a phenomenal performance from Marcus Mariota, who, having been given the authority and given the responsibility to call some plays at the line, a bit of hurry up for various reasons. You know, time time was of the essence. Um, that changed things dramatically. Dick LeBeau's rejig when they were 14-0 down. Um, oh, hang on, we better tighten this up. Made a few changes. Suddenly, from about the second quarter onwards, Kansas City just other than a two-minute drill at the end of the first half, didn't really have any offense for the rest of the game. You know, you may put some of that down to their own play calling. Um, but you know, how often do you get a comeback like that? Yes, Mario to throwing a pass to himself. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't script that. Uh, there have been some great memes around that as well, obviously. Um, Derek Henry, one of the best games he will ever have. A you know, breakout game for him. Um, and capped off at the end, Mario to throwing his own block uh, to get Derek Henry the first down that he needed. So I'm still pretty happy. Um, I'll worry about Malaki after our playoff run ends, which is presumably going to be this Saturday night because the Titans are going into New England. Malaki versus Belichick. Is that not the clash of the coaching Titans? <laughs> Anybody give me some hope? No, no, mate, you, you're going to get rinsed. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were you were good in this. Well, in the second half, you were good in this game. Massively impacted by Travis Kelsey, hugely reducing um, the Chiefs' offensive options. Um, I'm still not entirely sure why that forward progress call was made um, in the the sack fumble of Mariota. Where that, that was, was absolute nonsense. Uh, but nonsense. having said that, as was the 
coach's decision not to have a look at the Travis Kelsey injury play, which was inside two minutes. Um, that was yeah. a fumble. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Look at it. So that, I, that, that so there was a couple of bizarre decisions, but for yeah. the Chiefs, it says a lot about Andy Reid for me when in their first 15 plays that are scripted, so he knows what he's doing on offense, they achieve 150 yards and look really decent. They only achieve 178 yards for the rest of the game. Um, when he has to like start going situational and work out what to do when Travis Kelsey goes down, um, it was some of that. I think is Dick LeBeau. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, absolutely. It's sometimes hard to tell, but yeah, I'll, they. I'll never understand why they didn't give Hunt the ball more often. I know he had a lot of runs for not a huge amount of. That's games. the key. That's the yeah. key. Why did they stop giving him the ball? Um, You've got the league's leading rusher, and you only rush it, run it thirteen times when you need to run out the clock. Stupid. Yeah, it was it's bonkers, and he wasn't getting a huge amount of yards. I think he only had forty-two yards on the day rushing, and his long was sixteen. But in yeah, actual I fact, don't... they didn't have the ball a lot in that second half. They no, they couldn't get off the. They couldn't get past third down, could they? It was they were con- like as Dougie's been saying a lot this season. They go third and long, and that's their problem. Um, maybe it's an Andy Reid problem because <laughs> I don't know. It's he seems to be a very good coach, but I'm not sure if like game situation in this kind of when you're going against the best teams, he's the he's the best at managing a game situation. I don't know. I can't work out how the Chiefs have managed to lose six home playoff home games in a row. It's bizarre. Especially from Andy Reid is is Andy Reid Hall of Fame coach. Is he is, is that where he's going to end up? He's never won a Super Bowl, so no. As we all know. But he needs is, to win a Super Bowl is, to, to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, how I, I don't know how many times he's taken the Eagles or the Chiefs to the playoffs and looked generally, generally good. He's they've been good teams under him. Um, I think you're right, Mark. I think he's he just finds ways to lose games. I think he's got one more year. Um, yeah, he's not. If, he's not. If, if, by he no means, if he if he doesn't get past round one next year, or if he doesn't make the playoffs, he's off. Um, we've obviously lost Matt Nate. We. Oh, 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 oh that was a, a Freudian slip. Force a habit, mate. For, like genuinely, throughout that whole game, I did not feel a flicker of emotion. In fact, I wasn't even watching it. I was in the carry house. You had your lemon scented uh, wet wipes on the go. Yeah, which were which made my hands smell lovely. Wearing your curry-scented raincoats. Yeah, yeah. Sizzlers, that's what we found out, isn't it, Russ? Yeah, it's, 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 it's the chicken tikka sizzlers, without, without a shadow of yeah. a doubt. It was, it was a, you know, I, I, my favourite game of the weekend, um, just from a from an enjoyment drama perspective. But, um, yeah, I can't see you getting much further than the Patriots. I, I've got to say, I, I nobbed it off at halftime. I went. I went to sleep because I was like, "This is, there's nothing happening here." A bit like you know, a bit like last year's Super Bowl. You know, this game's dead and buried, and uh, yeah. Maybe. The NFL does that to you. It, you, as soon as you think that, that this is the well, this is one of the reasons I, I I love the the sport. It actually can take quite a while sometimes. You think, oh, your team's getting thrashed. Um, when is the game actually over? And even Neil Reynolds at halftime in the studio said, well, the Titans are going to get the ball at the start of the second half. So this isn't quite over. Um, and then they, they took nine minutes and they, they drove the ball 
all the way for a touchdown in the first possession. Uh, uh, let's let's move away from this. Um, before we move on to the NFC, uh, Doug's going to tell you in dramatic fashion. <laughs> um, Doug and Russ interviewed Christian Scotland Williamson earlier, and he's going to tell you about how fantastic it is. And I can't say any of that either. But what the hell, Doug? So me and Russ interviewed a guy called Christian Scotland Williamson, who is or was a second row forward for the Worcester Warriors. Um, grew up not far away from us, actually, Adam, when uh, he was a lad. And yeah, is currently. Well, he's leaving. Is it tomorrow he's leaving, Russ? Sunday he flies out to Tampa. Sunday. Flies out to Tampa for a three-week intensive... Three-month. Um, Three-month three intensive uh, training camp on fundamentals. Uh, he's going to play as a tight end, and we caught up with him to see about his transition from rugby, because obviously Russ and me do the More Over podcast, which you should all listen to as well. Um, so he talks a bit about rugby and then about just how he sees his career going in the NFL. So check it out. It's our first ever live interview for the Long Snap Pod. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm here with Doug and Christian Scotland-Williamson. How are you doing, Christian? Yeah, really well, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, very well, thank you. Very well indeed. Thanks for agreeing to join us this afternoon. No problem at all. No problem at all. Good to be on. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, busy day for you today. Let me just seen on your Twitter that you've uh, you've been doing some stuff with Sky Sports. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, just finished um, doing a quick interview with Sky Sports at my grassroots rugby club. So it was actually really nice to get back there. I haven't been back in a good few years now, what with university and then moving to Worcester. So it's quite nice to go back and almost close my chapter on rugby where it began. What club was that, Christian? Uh, Eton Manor, uh, it's a team in Wanstead. Um, oh, yeah, so they, they, yeah. they play maybe Upper Clapton and Harlow, those front yeah. teams. Yeah, yeah, those yeah, teams. Those I, teams. I had a bit of a stint at Harlow. Okay. And Bishop Thorpe as well, so I probably played there as a cult. Yeah. There we go. It's a great we... club, though. It is a great club. Um, so I played there from nine years old until I was 14. And then unfortunately I had to stop because I moved, uh, I went to school in, in High Wycombe. So I went to RGS High Wycombe. And so I was playing for school on Saturdays. And then my parents were driving up and down the country watching me play and then driving me back uh, to play for them on the Sunday. So it was quite hard because I never was able to go to midweek training or, or and also the strain obviously on playing Saturdays and Sunday on my parents and me when you start creeping up the age groups it's a lot harder physically so we had to make that decision to to leave unfortunately but um it's where i first got my passion for playing rugby that's for sure and uh school in wickham's a proper rugby school isn't it yeah yeah great rugby school so christian wade was there uh, when i was there jack wallace um chris elder who's now with leeds i think um so and matt dawson went there um so quite a few produced quite a few good rugby players yeah, I'd have had a sore hammy that day if you had thrown it. <laughs> you were in uh, in some quite esteemed company there, then, mate. Um, so what what was uh, you, you chat about Sky Sports? Like you say, just closing closing the chapter on on rugby and and new beginnings. Um, you know what, with regards to the rugby and and Worcester, you look like this season started to to make a bit of a breakthrough. 
mm. after after having some sort of tough times with injuries. Did that make the, the, the decision to, to move on that little bit harder? Yeah, definitely. I was um, finally making some headway, getting some traction in the Premiership, uh, put in some and backed up some pretty good performances off the bench, made some good impacts. Um, I think my involvement in the 20 or 30 minutes I get off the bench would probably match some of like a 60-minute performance. So I was definitely playing quite well. I felt quite comfortable and confident in myself and my abilities coming back from injuries. Um, but it was more the fact that this was an opportunity that I could never live with myself if I didn't take. Um, it was extremely hard leaving behind all of the boys who I've spent so long with and had a really deep connection with at Worcester. But in a, in a sense, they're coming with me. So they're only one phone call away. So it's not that bad and they've all been incredibly supportive um, of my decision to leave and go and pursue this dream um, it, it was it wasn't an easy decision by any means because uh, I've been playing rugby as I said since I was nine years old um, and that's been my passion that's been what's prompted me and driven me to get back from some pretty hard times um, and it's all been in the aim of eventually putting on that white shirt with the, the rose on it so to not turn your back on it, but to go and chase something completely different and take a huge leap of faith into the unknown where there are no givens. Um, as you probably would know, uh, American sports are pretty cutthroat. So you could be here one day and uh, gone the next. So it's by no means an easy decision or an easy process that I'm about to be uh, taking, but uh, it's one that I feel I'm ready for and hopefully will come out successful you say you say the lads have all been quite quite supportive i mean i'm sure there's been a little bit of banter about it hasn't there you've been getting a little bit of stick maybe of course of course it wouldn't be <laughs> it wouldn't be a proper rugby club change room if you didn't uh there'd be something wrong if people weren't taking the mick out of you that's for sure um no but it, it has all been even if it's in jest it's all been pretty positive to be honest um so i left uh, just before Christmas, I left um, just after the London Irish game, so I've had a bit of time at home, um, just catching up with family and friends, and then I'm flying out on Sunday to Tampa for a three-month intensive camp. Wow, that's I mean, you've literally you're you're no longer contracted with the Warriors, then you're. No. Yeah, exactly. I'm a free agent, which is something that had to happen for me to take this opportunity. And the management of Worcester, so Gary Gold and Solly, um, were really understanding. Well, as understanding as you can be when I suppose someone comes to you and says, look, I've got this dream that's outside of rugby. I'm hoping that you can support me in my decision and um, effectively help me chase that dream. Is it is the door would the door be open on should you return? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what one thing that's been great is that um, they made sure and they made sure I knew that there would always be a home for me at Worcester uh, should I decide to come back. And that's you know that's a, a superb thing to hear as well, isn't it? Because you know when you're taking a, a leap of faith such as what you're doing to know that there may be a, a you know a potential for return if things shouldn't work out must give you some comfort. Yeah, of course, of course. I think I couldn't have asked for this whole process to go any smoother or end more amicably because, as you can understand, as you hear sometimes in football, there's 
there's lots of times when players have a different vision for where their career or life is heading and it doesn't align with the views of the management or or the organisation and that wasn't the case for this. So because my whole professional career has been at Worcester, um, I always have a deep connection to um, the city, uh, the team and obviously the fans as well. So to be told that should I decide to come back, there's always a place for me at Whistler, um, that is really heartening and it's something that meant a lot to me when I was leaving. Is there a big following of the NFL in the Worcester dressing room and in rugby in general? I mean, I know Anthony Watson tweets about it quite a bit. Yeah, um, I think it's growing because whenever the Super Bowl's on, that's all you can hear. That's all you talk about um, in the build-up to Super Bowl. In regular season this year, uh, there's been a lot, because obviously Andrew Durotalo, um Joe Talfetti, are both Americans, so and Joe used to play American football in high school. High school as well. I was actually able to talk to him a bit about that and his experiences. But there is certainly at Worcester, there's a strong awareness for and appreciation for the game, um, and I'm sure lots of boys will be as long as it's not for a training day, trying to stay up and watch a few of the um, playoff games. You mentioned the the American guys there. You managed to to pick their brains a bit about what you're letting yourself in for. Yeah, definitely. So I was able to speak to um, Drew and, and Joe uh, Rent Fernandez uh, while I was making my decision. I was because obviously at the time you're thinking, okay, this could happen. What is it that feasible? Should I go? Should I stay? And so Drew knows a few players from the Seahawks and obviously from his because uh, he's obviously an Olympian with the sevens. He's got a pretty wide network and he was able to speak to a few of his. Uh, USA Sevens friends, I think Nate Ebner played for Patriots, he's got two Super Bowl rings, so he's he knows him extremely well, probably knows him a lot better than I even know Drew, so he was able to give me some insights into his experiences, what he was able to translate from rugby to American football, and kind of what challenges are going to lie ahead, what to expect, what I should use to my advantage, um, and just really was encouraging and said, look, you have to go for it, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, I think it's 0.6% of people who start playing the game, uh, playing American football, actually end up playing even one snap in the NFL or a preseason game. So it's massive, the opportunity that I have. And um, I don't think you can you can hide from the fact that as professional athletes, as professional rugby players or American football players, you're in an extremely privileged position where you're able to live your dream on an everyday basis. Yes, it takes a lot of discipline and sacrifice, perseverance and consistency but at the same time it's all worth it because there's only a finite window in your life where unless well, say for example in golf you might be able to play for a lot longer but particularly with collision-based sports you probably have a life expectancy of unless you're Tom Brady or someone like that maybe 35 and that's doing pretty well so you have to use your your time in your youth and spend it wisely so taking a new adventure I, the way I'm seeing it is, is if you look at your life as a, a chapter of a book, uh, so your life's the whole book, what stories do you want to write in your teens, in your 20s, in your 30s that set you up for when you're writing those concluding chapters, you can look back and think, yeah, I've actually enjoyed myself and experienced a lot of different things. I've had a lot of unique opportunities. And I've made the most of them. Fantastic. Who's, so who's your team then in the, in the NFL? Uh, the Steelers. They are Pittsburgh Steelers are my team. 
So hopefully they'll do a job on the Patriots um, for the conference, <laughs> maybe. Well, yeah. So just just for just for a bit of background on that, Doug Doug's recently gone NFL agnostic, and uh, after, <laughs> after after following the Chiefs since childhood, has has now just become a fan of football as opposed to any specific team. Doug, is that is that about yeah. fair? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm a, just saying, so you know, I'm, I'm a big Northampton Saints fan. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've followed the Chiefs since I was like 12. I, I've, I've played British American football in Britain with a group of mates from the age of 14 and we grew up with our own teams and whatnot. But I just found that I just watch Red Zone now. Yeah. So you can't really, you don't really associate with the team. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just forced tribalism, isn't it? When you <laughs> pick a, you're literally just picking a team out of a hat and saying, right, the rest of my life I'm tied to this team. I'm not having it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, you, men- you mentioned uh, about you know this opportunity being presented to you. Can you tell us a bit about how that opportunity came about? Um, you know, is there an active scouting network within within the rugby and in those circles, or is there a an approach um, from the other side, or you know, how, how did that come about? Um, so, obviously, played against uh, wasps and made uh, that tackle against uh, Alex Reader that then. Uh, went viral, caught a lot of traction online. That then led to my name being mentioned in a few conversations uh, with links to the NFL. Um, and then through one of the boys, actually. So, because obviously Alex Gray has been through the process, hasn't he? So, I'll be following his footsteps effectively. So, I am one year behind him. So, he was on this journey a year ago. Uh, and so the people who, because I think he ended up getting in contact with the NFL um, to see, I think it was at Leeds at the time, uh, to see what they had uh, for him. And then the same people who effectively picked up Alex Gray got in contact with me. Um, and then I sent them a few clips. We sat down um, and had a few conversations. And then in the space of about six weeks, I'd made up my mind, made my decision. And then had to go and speak to Gary and Solly. That is amazing. So it's all literally all come off the back of that hit. Yeah, pretty much. I think obviously um, you're going to get <laughs> you have to have some tools to go with it, but uh, yeah, that was the catalyst for everything really. You you're going to get lads now running around <laughs> bulleting into tackles, aren't you? Because then they <laughs> 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 it's going to turn the Premiership into a into a death ground, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it just takes one moment to change your life, that's for sure. Wow, absolutely. You know, absolutely. and and talking about that that reader hit, it was like you know. All of a sudden, uh, I think was it was it Ugo Monia that, that said the, yeah. the lab with the posh posh name putting in monster hits. Um, yeah, posh boy that hits like a thug. That's it. Yeah, I mean, but but for for something like that to to go so viral and produce, like you say, be the catalyst for an opportunity such as this, must be it must have been a, an absolute whirlwind leading up to Christmas. Oh, completely. Because um, I even remember after the game because. Similar to, say, a golf swing, when you connect, sometimes you don't feel like you've put a lot of power into it. But So with that tackle, I just felt like it was a normal tackle. I've hit people where I felt like I've hit them a lot harder because it hurt me a lot more, and it's not been anywhere near as big. So it's one of those times where, uh, similar to, I suppose, a knockout punch with a boxer, if you get your timing right, um, good technique, you just hit the sweet spot, really. So 
at the time, I didn't think anything of it. And then I came off the pitch and then I had loads of my school friends in the crowd watching. They're like, oh, that was pretty big tackle, mate. And then next thing you know, <laughs> got changed, gone up to the post-match. And by the time I got the um, BT Sport, I clicked it. And I'd seen it, I was like, oh, yeah, that was, that was a match. <laughs> Decent. <laughs> the rumours yeah. are Alex Reid is still unfolding himself. So. Oh, he, was, he got straight away. He was fine. <laughs> <laughs> So you're you say you you're off to um, Tampa on Sunday yeah. for for a three month um, training camp or intensive training camp. Where do you where do you see yourself fitting in positionally and and practically within within that training camp? Um, so positionally, we're trying to I'm trying to play tight end. So you're looking at your Rob Gronkowski's, your Jimmy Graham's, Greg Olson's. Um, those kinds of players um and then so this this three-month camp is literally from fundamentals to getting me ready to report to a team come may and not stick out like a sore thumb and be able to compete and put my hand up and, and say look i'm a legitimate uh, prospect in the nfl so it's going to be a very humbling experience because i don't really know anywhere near as much as an, uh, say American football player who's playing through high school, college, and then is now trying to make a name for himself in the NBA, so uh, NFL, sorry. Um, so trying to catch up on 20 odd years of knowledge is going to be tough and especially to try and cram most of it in in three, three months, especially when it's not just the physical side, it's the mental side, so it's the classroom learning, the positional learning, the plays, the playbook, as well as how to move. So when you're running routes, you have to have your feet in certain positions. You have to start in three-point stance. Even coming out of the three-point stance to start running is foreign to me. Um, so I've been practicing that. And then obviously the blocking elements because being a tight end, you are that hybrid position between a lineman and a receiver. So there's lots to think about and lots to learn. But I do feel like I'm extremely prepared for this journey because I've had to overcome quite a lot in my rugby career already. Um, and I think that resilience, and that perseverance will hold me in good stead for this journey. It sounds like it you've sounds uh, like you've got all the um, the research and the and the and the groundedness, if, that, if that's even a word. To you know, you're you're entering this with with your eyes very much open, and you know you're very aware of the the challenge that you're going to be facing. I mean, is your your previous NFL and American football knowledge, you know, have you have you played it previously um, in in the UK at all, or is it just a case of you going out there and you and you're starting from having watched the game as a as a fan? Yeah, uh, exactly. That's the case. So obviously, with everything being being geared towards rugby there's not been too much time for because obviously I've been studying as well. It's not been too much time for uh, the pursuit of any other sports. So I will be going in as uh, my only understanding having previously been as a fan. But then since I've made the decision to actually make the swap, um, just the level of detail you watch games in has completely changed because uh, even, so I was a bit fortunate enough to go to the Minnesota Vikings against the Browns game, which was at Twickenham. Um, and that was quite strange being at Twickenham when it's completely decked out in all of the uh, NFL merchandise. And actually did a really good job of making it not even feel like Twickenham, which felt like an NFL stadium. Um, but that was my first live game that I was ever, ever able to, to watch. And 
it gives you a completely different perspective on the game when you're there compared to when you're watching on television. Um, so I definitely am looking at it and studying the game. And I think that's the only way you can do it and hope to make it a success is if you you give an honest effort in both your application to training and to your knowledge and up, upskilling yourself in relation to the rules of the game, how to play the game and the concepts and effectively the theories of why certain things unfold. It's, it's interesting to me that you mentioned when, when you talked about the tight ends, you talked about Jimmy Gray and Rob Gronkowski uh, receiving tight ends. The, the biggest thing that I think you'll, you'll um, spend time on is obviously your blocking because there's so, it, it, while the shapes of rugby players suit that and your height obviously suits being a tight end, the tight end position is actually three positions because you have a run block, a pass block yeah, and receiving. And there's so much to learn, but just, just as a receiver, you know, option routes, where you're going to run, defensive coverages, all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's going to, to learn all that in three months to an NFL level, uh, it must just be slightly daunting as well as exciting. Yeah, definitely. I think you it only becomes daunting if you let it. So with obviously everything you have to learn in rugby um, to play at an elite level, that that's obviously it's no if we're honest, there's nowhere near the level of detail that uh, the playbooks in American football are. But if you think about how you have to learn to block, I think that's gonna be the thing that's the most foreign to me because the closest thing to that I suppose is a more which is more about aggression and basic principles than you need to have a quarter step, six inch step to the right, hand placement, you have to punch hands through yeah. the chest instead of grabbing wide. And those micro details are going to be the difference between if you play and if you don't play. Um, so learning all of that is definitely going to be a challenge. But uh, so in the past two years, I was able to pick up my master's degree uh, from Birmingham while playing. So the ability to train in the day and go home and study at night is something that I've been doing for the past five, six years. So that's not something that I'm seeing as a potential obstacle. It's pretty much just continuing what I've been doing for the past years, but putting it into uh, a different, uh, different route and a different avenue and making sure that after every day you're improving and you know what, what needs to be better the next day and then you have to take it one day one practice one week at a time and then just hope that you you come out in a year's time two years time um looking like pretty much a finished finished product do you know after after the three month uh camp do you know roughly where you end up because obviously then you're into the off season for the nfl yeah. so there'll be a um, significant break or is there more camps coming up after that uh, so there'll be more camps. So I'll have, I think, a few weeks off after three-month camp. Then I'll go to their OTAs, um, so like a two-month off-season camp uh, with a franchise. Yeah, with a, yeah, exactly. And then you have, I think, a small break, and then you're back in for pre-season into the season. It just sounds amazing. I, yeah. The team I used to play for used to run a weekend camp in pre-season, and it was the most fun thing in the whole world. <laughs> Waking up at eight in the morning and just playing football all the way till it got dark. It was amazing yeah. to do that with the players that you're going to be doing it with. It's just, just an amazing I, experience. I think that's what I'm most looking forward to because I've enjoyed my time as a professional rugby player. Um, but as I said, venturing out into the unknown. And so all the time I was injured, <laughs> funny enough, maybe it was uh, um, 
tempting bait a bit. But I used to watch all of your football life, uh, hard knock documentaries, um, uh, 30s for 30s, reading different books on players, just because America is so good at documenting their sporting legacies. I think that's something that we could improve on over here because after every Super Bowl, there's the America's game for that year. Oh, um, so, amazing, yeah. so you get an insight into what it takes to be a championship player, a championship team, or even a coach. So that's given me, without even meaning to, a base of understanding of the culture I'll be going into and the environment and the standards that are expected of me, which in terms of being a professional athlete, probably aren't that different to rugby because in in order to be an elite rugby player, you have to have routine, discipline, um, and have a high level of intelligence as well as being an athlete. Um, but it's just putting that into a different domain and making sure that you understand the finer details, what how you expect to carry yourself as an American football player, how you expect to turn up and practice, because these guys compete every every day, every play, whistle to whistle, because similar it's, it's the same in rugby, but it's just a different scale in American football because that conveyor belt is just constantly going where if you mess up consistently, you're gone. Yeah. There's no there's no safety net unless you're the even there's no safety net for anyone because the reason why the guys have such long careers and stay at the top for such a long period of time is because they put the most work in, they're studying film, look after their bodies and perform and are the most professional out of the whole team. So it's like I said, like I said before, you can be an athlete and get your foot in the door. That might get you a couple of couple of plays in the NFL, but in order to make it to the next step and stay there, it's about understanding the player, but understanding where you fit into the scheme, where you fit into the team, and then making the most out of your own attributes. You you mentioned like about naught point six percent of people actually that play American football ever ever get to face a single snap in the NFL. And I suppose when you put it in perspective like that, you know, like you say, if you don't sort of cut the mustard, there are always going to be people there that are wanting to to take your place or they're, they're going to be ready and willing to, to put that effort in to, to try and usurp you as well. So, you know, it's, it sounds like an absolutely incredible opportunity for you. Um, we'd love if, you know, if you're up for it, if you're keen to, to catch up with you again in, in a couple of months time, you know, yeah, just definitely. to, just to see how you're going, how camp's going, how you're finding it. Um, if you're able to do that, and uh, and yeah, we can we can try and track your progress through. Fingers crossed into into the NFL. Yeah, definitely. That's something I'd love to do. I'll definitely uh, be in contact down the line, and hopefully have some positive news to report. Brilliant. You don't you don't know where you're going yet, do you? After the no no, no I'll, I'll, I'll find out um, in May, I think, or April. So if it's not the Steelers, where do you fancy? LA. <laughs> if it's not Steelers, I will take an NFL franchise and be able to play. That's what I'll take. <laughs> good, good answer. Just not the Cleveland Browns, right? Just not the Cleveland Browns. Hey, mate, the Browns are the Browns are going places. They are, mate. They are. And and if you if what you want to do is get to the Niners and work with Jimmy G, because he is the absolute man. Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to see. I'll I'll pretty much take anywhere that are willing to develop me. Oh, fantastic. Listen, Christian, like I say, all the best for the next few months and beyond. Thanks so much for, for joining us today. Um, it's yeah, been an absolute you. pleasure to chat to you and, uh, and we'll hope to catch up with you soon. Excellent. Really enjoyed it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, mate. Cool. Thanks a lot. What, what I will say is what, what a really impressive bloke 
you know, yeah. just from just from chatting to him today, he he's passionate, he is knowledgeable, he's obviously been doing his homework, so he's going to it with his with his eyes very much open and you know, I think all the best to him. He's- and we're going to hopefully catch up with him as uh, as he goes through his experience as well. So, you know, watch this space for that. He, um, a new, new London-born. Yeah. Uh, no, well, somewhere near where Doug and me are from, born. Just a bit south, a bit further Home south. Home counties. Yeah. America, um, the, the presenters, Neil Reynolds will call that London-born. <laughs> Just for you guys, he, um, I asked him how... He was going to cope with the amount of information he's going to have to take on. And his answer was, um, well, while I've been playing professional rugby for Worcester, I've managed to study for a master's degree. So yeah, <laughs> training and studying, as you know, won't be a problem. <laughs> oh, good, good for him. Yeah, um, fair play. I wish him all the best. I mean, it's, it's difficult not to crack the NFL. Um, as we've seen, there's plenty of, plenty of tried it. Um, so we're going to check. Am I right in saying we're going to check back in in a couple yep. of months' time? He's, he's going to. Well, he said he's going to come back on a couple of months into his training camp. So, be interesting to see what's been happening and and how that's progressing. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a lump. <laughs> so, so watch this space. Keep keep subscribing and downloading Long Snapper podcast, and you will hear from him again in a couple of months' time. Um, NFC then. We have the Falcons and the Saints have both advanced from their wild calf, wild calf, wild card games. Uh, the Falcons kicked us off Saturday night in LA and quite convincingly beat the Rams in the end, which I wasn't expecting. I don't think any of us were expecting. Um, what do we think happened there? Did did the Rams drop a bollock or did Matty Ice show them how it's done? I just don't think they, they the Rams just didn't look at it from the start and I don't know whether this is anything to do with the fact that they rested their starters um, in the final final week and lost that momentum that we've spoken okay. about a little bit um, or they just didn't have the the nous of a team that's been to the playoffs often um, Goss stats don't look too bad but I don't think he had a stellar game when he stretched the imagination Gurley um, Gurley had a poor game I thought I ended up with 101 yards but 50 of that was on two plays in the third quarter um, I don't think he offered a huge amount other than Robert Woods, the receiving Tr- call. Tricky with your running game when you're behind, though. You yeah. Know, they, they, well, they started slowly. Yeah, I just don't think they they look offensively. They just didn't look the same team to me. And I don't know whether they didn't prepare right, they didn't game plan right, or the Falcons just did some different things, um, or they just played better than they expected they were going to. Um, but... I, this was this, as you said. This was a pretty easy win for the Falcons. Is there an argument to say that the the bye week that they gave themselves probably? I mean, they they got their asses handed to them by the Forty ers Is there a case that maybe they overthink? You overthink things when you're game planning for two weeks, which is yeah. why a lot of bye week teams sometimes come unstuck. They overthink things. They get away from what's made them successful because they overthink what they're trying to do. So. And also, like you say, it breaks up that that confidence and the the, the, the rolling juggernaut of of self belief that just keeps happening and happening with every win. You know, you you, you put an, an unnatural break within that, um, and the other team comes in. And let's let's not 
let's not make any bones about it. The Falcons are going to... They're my pick for the Super Bowl now because one team always comes in at this stage of the season on a hot streak and it seems to me like that's Atlanta this year. And they just caught, they just caught lightning in the bottle to use a really shitty American phrase. <laughs> I mean, fifth, it's his fifth straight game. Matt, Matt Ryan is his fifth straight playoff game with a passer rating of over 100. <laughs> Um, that that guy knows what he's doing in this environment and um, and, and got it done. Are they... Seventeen and three touchdown ratio. I think it's seventeen TDs, three picks in the playoffs for AI. They, they've come in. They've come into the playoffs on a nine and two record after starting pretty poorly through the, in the early part of the season. Um, like you say, they're they're arguably the form team in this side of the draw going in going into the the championship games, aren't they? Yep. And they've and they've lucked out a little bit with how the how the brackets panned out because they're going to go and face the Eagles who Well, you say like you, you say lucks out Adam. I, I mean I, I would you, you could arguably make them favorites against the Eagles now. They are. Well, they are that's, the that's what, that, that's what I mean by that. I mean, oh, right. I they mean, are the bookies they're the bookies favorites over the Eagles, which is the first time a, a one seed in their first game of the playoffs has not been the favorite for the game ever. It's Sorry, I misread you there. Yeah, no. What what I meant, you know, they they could have been they could have been going to Minnesota. They're not. They're going to Philadelphia, um, which is a, a much easier game on paper with with no Carson Wentz. Nick Foles, who well we we talked about last week or the week before after their their debacle against Dallas. It's how much do you read into a Week Seventeen game where starters are rested? But you know the the Rams the Rams did that. What what have we just seen? Is there a way that Philadelphia can upset the Falcons? That's the way round it is, isn't it? Not that I can see. Not with Nick Foles. No. <laughs> <laughs> Agree. I mean, they've got they've got they've got a stellar D, and they've um, they've got a decent running game that's not been quite as electric in the last couple of weeks. It's a bit like the the Steelers and Jags, isn't it? Yeah. Except. The Eagles are at home. So they've got a really good D that will keep them in the game, you would think, unless the Falcons just come in and steamroll them, which you can see happen. If they get up two touchdowns, it could be a cricket score. By the way, I don't I, I, I don't watch the Falcons a huge amount, but I, I watch this game obviously quite closely. And Alex Mack is unbelievable. That guy creates holes and blocks out of nowhere. You can see why they went to town to get him. Um, in free agency, he was, I thought, like, you, you can look at all the skill player positions and think they're amazing, but the stuff that that guy does as the uh, as the Falcon centre is absolutely incredible. So, assuming, assuming the Falcons win in Philadelphia, who's going to be facing them in the championship game? The Saints have gone through Carolina, which arguably was the best game of the week. Might not be the most exciting for me, but that's kind of selfish in terms of pure football. Um, that game is a bit tasty in, in New Orleans. Cam, despite the kind of saying, if he has a really, really good game, Carolina, that's the way Carolina win. I think actually he had a really good game and, and New Orleans still won. They, they just had a bit more. Um, did, did we enjoy that? Did yeah, I, I guess game. it was the right result. Yeah, great game. And what I liked about this was the fact that all the whole season it's all been about Kamara and Ingram 
and um, and how they've managed to do it in this in this game, it was almost like they like Carolina thought that that was going to be the case, and the two of them had forty five yards total. This was all on Drew Brees. Yeah. Um, and what I liked that was the fact that you know he's the type of quarterback that knows how to f- do what you've got to do and find those open receivers. Some of the some of the positions that he puts the throws to um, receivers that are still running routes, knowing the where they're going to look and throwing it to such a position whereby it's only the receiver that can get it. Um, the, the the DB almost becomes irrelevant. And that's where I think the Vikings may struggle with him just because he is he can take away a bit of the threat of that amazing secondary just because of his ball placement. Um, I actually think that it's not the Falcons, it's the Saints that are going into this as the the huge form team. I was quite high on the I've Vikings up until... Yeah, 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 you have. Um, I was quite high on the Vikings going kind of into week 15, week 16, that kind of time. Um, I now think it's the Saints, Saints reaching the Super Bowl um, just because I think they've got so many weapons. They can do it so many different ways. You know, if someone had said against the Panthers their running backs would get 45 yards total, they'd probably think that that may be a Panthers win. But you just rely on Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn and Drew Brees and they'll do it for you instead. Michael Thomas was, well, as if he's been away. I'd say he was in yeah. the um, yeah. that, amazing. You know, as If that was the best game of last week, I think Saints-Vikings stacks up as the game I'm probably, other than my selfish reasons for thinking that it's worth staying up for to see the Titans get spanked by the Patriots. Um, the Saints-Vikings, that's mouth-watering to me. Um, and it's a pick'em. It, I'm picking the Saints, but yeah, I think you, 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 you're right. It's, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun finding I, out. I still, I still think that the Vikings suffer from the fact that their quarterback is Case Keenum. And he's done it for a lot of weeks now he's proven he's in this system and in this situation he's almost as good as anybody else but um you know he gets no pro bowl love he gets no pro team like all america love because it's pro- case keenum um it's he's got to win a super bowl too <laughs> yeah if it was if, if they had if the quarterback swapped in this game i think the vikings are clear favorites um but because it's because it's not that way, um, you just wonder if they they lose a bit of love because of it. And I don't know. Maybe they'll surprise us. Harry's running well. Personally, I think it's too close to call. The Saints are in great form. I think the fact that the the Vikes have had a week off that could possibly harm them as well. As Doug, you mentioned the overthinking thing. Um, you know, they're on a great run. Keenum's been excellent for the, the, the rest of the season. You look at Thielen um, and who's the, the tight end that's been getting on the score sheet quite a lot. I can't remember his name escapes me now. Rudolph. 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 Yeah, Diggs yeah, yeah. as well. Diggs. The red zone then, right there. <laughs> very, just, very good. Just about to go there. They, exactly um, Best fantasy yeah, name of the year. To me, this is too close to call. I noticed an interesting concept from the Panthers D, which I think the Vikings will probably employ with Alvin Kamara, which was that they bracketed him with a linebacker, a linebacker for underneath and safeties over the top. So you might see Kamara picking up maybe a lot of eight or nine yard passing passes um, because the linebacker will take away the underneath and the safety will take away the deep, um, which is why Michael Thomas, I think, was getting a lot of open looks because the safety was keying on Alvin Kamara. 
that that's so, where that's why I just fancy the Saints so much. Whatever you do, you whatever you take away from them, they've got something. Um, they've just options all over the place. You can, yeah, you could take away the underneath, you take away the deep ball, and they'll they'll just throw it in between. Or yeah, I I, th- I think the Saints will find a way to get Kamara in the space between the two, because it's not a true bracket. It's like a soft bracket in that they're waiting to see in which direction Kamara commits before they decide who's covering. Which kind of puts two people on the back foot because safety is to a player and then having to react to who's into coming into his zone should Kamara not be there? Which is where I think if you look at a lot of Thomas's plays, they were sort of seam routes where that safety was having to move away to get to Kamara. I mean, I think the... The Vikings D will be more of a test than the Panthers was. Also, they're they're going on the road, um, but I still think that that Breeze and the the Saints have have got enough. Um, are we? I mean, I'm assuming that we're all saying that it's a Patriots Steelers AFC Championship game. Um, yeah. NFC Championship yeah. game. I mean, I'm saying Falcons Saints, which would be in New Orleans if that's that's the way it goes. Um, what are what do you guys I'm saying Falcons-Vikings. I, I think the, the carrot of a Viking Super Bowl in Minnesota will push them over the edge. Okay. I'm with Doug. Falcons-Vikings for me. I, I tipped the Vikings to, to get to the Super Bowl a few weeks ago and uh, I, and I'm sticking with it. Mark? Yeah, I'm, I'm a Hall of Famer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm now I'm now Falcons Saints. Uh, you've come you've come over to my way of thinking. I'll get you all eventually. And my so, uh, my playoff challenge team reflects that. So so, <laughs> so after after our predictions from the other week, it's uh, the Eagles are definitely in then, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, very much. Well, that that's although we what... got the NFC bang on. I think we it was the AFC we fucked up. You can't predict an injury like that, that one to Castle Wentz and the, the impact that has. I mean, that, that's just too massive for any anyone to deal with. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still saying a Patriots Saints Super Bowl. Um, I guess. I like a, I like a Pats Vikings Super Bowl, but I think the Falcons might get there for a repeat of last year. Okay. And beat the right. Steelers in the and, final. And another defeat. Imagine if yeah. it happened again. I, I don't think I could take that. If they got like 28 points up again, everyone's like, it's got to happen this year. And then <laughs> somehow, if Matt, Matt Ryan oh. just shoot himself on the field. <laughs> As we've said, lightning can strike twice. <laughs> um, right, let, let's move on. There's not not really a fantasy segment and um, the the playoff challenge group has been going um i don't really have much to say because you can't you can't tell anything after the first week because players are on a bye week so the leaderboard's kind of meaningless but thanks to everyone who's joined the the long snapper group um i think you still can if you've got a team going anyway um you can still join the, the long snapper podcast group on there um yeah, I'm not even sure who's ahead, but until the divisional rounds played, it kind of matters not. Um, so, um, yeah, I guess that just leaves any other business, which is why we've all hung around until nearly half past ten.
Rusty. Thank fuck the ashes is over. That's my only other business. Um, I'm just delighted that the the pain and the suffering that we've been going through. Um, I'm delighted that other than the one dayers and probably the T20s, I won't have to watch Steve Smith bat anymore. Um, not for any other reason than the guy is just exceptional. I don't for a long time. I haven't seen anyone that that loves batting as much as he does. And if, if they were playing, there, there's a, a version of the game, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, called Last Man Stands, that, that tries to get games of cricket for a little bit more competitive. So when when teams get bowled out for eight or whatever, the last man gets to stand, but he has to, he can only run twos and all that sort of stuff. And um, boundaries count double when it's a last man. And they play it all over the country. But Steve Smith would quite happily bat on his own, I think, with without anybody else. I don't think he cares. He, he's an absolute freak, and uh, I'll be glad to see the back of him. So thank God the Ashes are over, and uh, hopefully we can start winning cricket matches again. Hashtag long leg pod. Yeah, we're going to get back into that. Um... Did, did the Ashes' success directly contribute to there being one episode of the Long Leg Pod so far? Had it gone well, would there have been a lot more episodes? Almost certainly. Mate, good. we can barely get one of these together. <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> You're not relying on Craig for that, though. <laughs> yeah. Where are you, Craig? Um, Who knows? He won't Any messages? No, no messages. Um, Mark? <laughs> have you? I mean, right, right, actually sort of want to weigh in a little bit on this um i paid for bt sport just because of the ashes and paid through the nose and i kind of want my money back but (laughs) i don't know where to go i don't i don't think the ecb are going to help with that i don't think uh bt or even with your your friends at open reach can do anything about that oh gives Um, a fuck mate thanks they've got your money (laughs) no (laughs) yeah they definitely don't care they can use it to buy Joe Root re-energising drinks. Oh, the, yeah. That's nasty. For, how, how hot so was it? So Yorkshire, isn't it? Yeah. I how don't hot was it in drink. Sydney? And the, bloody yeah. softies. <laughs> Joe, it's 50 degrees. I don't need a bloody drink. It's <laughs> <laughs> Alice the Cook didn't even sweat. Um, no. Good old Essex lad. Uh, Mark, Mark, take us away from here. Um... Do you know what? January is such a shit month. I've, I've genuinely not got anything to talk about. Um, I've heard that. Oh, that's the good. One, yeah, yeah that's the one thing. The one thing I will keep say the is coming back. Following, following on from my, um, from my any other business of a couple of weeks ago about Lewis Hamilton um, and how we had to apologise for that video we put up about saying one of his one of his nephews was wearing a dress or anything. It was. I was looking through Twitter earlier on, and the BBC was leading with a story about how. That, you know what's going on with Lewis Hamilton because he's deleted his social media profile. Who gives a fuck? When did that become sports news? BBC Sport. Um, I don't. You know, you're not Heat magazine. I don't give a flying fuck what Lewis Hamilton is up to with his social media profile. Report on sports news, please. Stop being dicks. About the same time that they started televising manager press conferences. Quite possibly. <laughs> Quite Just, possibly. Uh... They've got to fill the channel somehow, mate. Yeah, but, I mean, Jesus Christ. But social media and the fact that someone's deleted their profile, I mean, fucking hell, come on. There's got to be something going on in the world of sport that's worth, that's newsworthy other than that. The people that put these things together are now younger than 
nuss. That's the sad truth of this. When I when I was a kid growing up, you sort of respected the not that looking at the website, but you're looking at sports news and news any BBC coverage on TV. You kind of felt that these people had knew more than you did about stuff. I don't think that's the case anymore. It's probably the work it's, experience, kid. Yeah, working yeah, the, experience. The, the, they call it that down there, do they? <laughs> <laughs> the BBC should. The BBC Nobody should stand works for down there. journalism. It should not stand for gutter reporting, and that's what that is. It's like if you give a fuck about whether Lewis Hamilton's deleted his social media profile, then you're looking in the wrong place. Listen, mate. The BBC Clickbait. website is designed. That, do you know how many layers of bullshit any story has got to go through to get on the BBC website? Do you know how many HR managers and fucking all that shit there are? Perusing so how does that get? So how does that content that goes on there? Because no. it's vanilla. Because they're all 19 and they're all called fucking, you know, Rafe and, and names like that. And they, they, all, they all have their own desk and they've all got their own title. And it's like, yeah, I really think the demographics of the BBC website really wants to talk about social media. Fuck off, mate. Tell me about transfers. That's all I'm interested in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyway. It's January, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Okay, Douglas, what do you have for us? Uh, two things actually. One, the first thing is I'm playing vets football on Sunday. I'm going back. Vets. Vets. Okay. So, yeah, my brain might be able to keep up with my feet and not look out of place, which is why I gave up football in the first place. Uh, sorry, I've I've got it now. Veterans. I thought you were talking about the actual like you know people who look after animals. Why are you playing? Why are you playing football with vets? But then I got. Why would you think that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't That's know. the first thing that came into your head. That's the first thing that came into my head. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I don't know. I'm playing vets football. I didn't realise that vets did that, you know? <laughs> is that a thing? Is there like a vets league? No. People, no. People, the bovine team versus the, uh, the domestic animals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has gone weird. Playing the abattoir workers this week. Oh, yeah. They're a feisty bunch. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why I vocalised that thought either. I could have just kept that internal. No one would have ever known that I was a dick. But you should have, I, and you could have. Yeah, uh, I should have done. Whew, anyway, sorry, moving on. So I hope yeah, that. And, I, and on that point, that well, just... I forgot what my second AOB was. So yeah, I'm playing vets football. I'm not sure how I feel about it, but it'll be good to get back out in the paddock and have a have a run around again with the chickens. Yeah. Um. Before before I. Going to, to my AOB, I saw this this thing, a YouGov survey today, um, which just popped in my head when you said that, um, worthy of a quick mention. And it interviewed, I don't know who they asked um, in the UK, but the most boring sport, according to different people. Golf tops the list, apparently, with American football in second place. There you go. Well, clearly dicks. Um, bottom Adam, of the what's list. What's your AOB? No, Dougie, Dougie, listen to this. Bottom of the, this list, as in the the sports that people like the most um athletics tennis and gymnastics i say birds and leotards nothing 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 says excitement more than a ten thousand meters heat does it i don't know i don't know what it says about me but the the most boring sports like the top five or six i like all them <laughs> they're all my, all my favorites like cricket was in there snooker um, Maybe the people that fill that in are the same people that care about Lewis Hamilton's social media presence. Yeah. Oh, that was my other AOB. BDO darts. Jesus Christ. 
That's like, on literally BT our Sport. Crew league I, I can watch that. I can watch that because I have BT Sport. I can watch it because I've got Channel 4. Yeah, you, you can watch well? it. Okay, I bet no. you don't know because it's fucking shit. No, I haven't watched it. <laughs> Isn't it presented now by James Richardson of, of 90s Football Italia fame? He don't know why he's there either. <laughs> because he, he knows exactly why he's there. It's the back. <laughs> where's, that, where's, that, where's that cash register soundtrack? He loves money. It's the green. He loves it. <laughs> Same reason that Matt Smith is down under presenting the Ashes on BT Sport. Um, just just a quick quick AOB for me to finish off. Um, teeth. Oh. Obviously, it's quick. It's me. Um, I had four fillings today. Four. That's that's a lot of fillings to have at once. And I I had dinner and my bite isn't in the right place. And like my teeth knocked together before they should. And it's weird. And I don't know how long this is going to last like this. Um, but related to this, kind of. Uh, I had my first ever electric t- toothbrush for Christmas, which I got out of the box this week. I've never used an electric t- toothbrush. I can't even say electric toothbrush. That's probably why I've never had one. Um, I don't know why I've never had one. It's the best thing in the world. However, um, really? yeah, oh. it's, it's amazing. I, dis- I disagree. Five things better than an electric toothbrush. I, I so can't go on that, with electric. That's for another podcast. Um, I, I like the feeling of, of really getting in there with your brush and are we doing this are we going to talk about teeth teeth brushing well i'm this, going to quickly this could say, be a new low for the long term <laughs> no, that's, no, that's but, what it's come to boys jesus i'll quickly okay. say what hadn't occurred to me is that you should put the electric toothbrush in your mouth with the toothpaste before you switch it on <laughs> and i'm going to leave that there <laughs> well played that's nearly as stupid as thinking I was playing in a vet- veterinarian's football league. <laughs> You've got no argument from me on that one. <laughs> I'm going to search out a vet. Playing up front league. with a Frisian. <laughs> you're not playing, if you play in a vet's league, you wouldn't play with a cat. I, I don't know, but... No, no Mark, Mark, that's the image we've all got in our head. It's just the doggy running around in the field of cows. That's, I, that's I, what we're all thinking. I heard there's a donkey playing centre half. Boom. Right, let's get out of here. Come on. Yeah. Russ wants to go to bed. He wanted to go to bed an hour ago. I, I'm old. I need. I, I need literally have no idea why because you work at home. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Also, he's in Cornwall. Different oh, the alarm's gone off. It's nine o'clock. Should I go to work? Nah. <laughs> I'll Russ, do you want to come in late today? Yeah, you can, Russ. <laughs> All right, I'll go back to sleep. <laughs> oh, the alarm's gone off at nine o'clock. I start at nine o'clock. I'm on time. <laughs> oh, <God>. There we <laughs> go. Let's... Made it on my really long commute. Made it. <laughs> hey, there'll be no commute in any other business, though. No. No. Right, I'm sure you've seriously. discussed the commute on AOB. Seriously, let's get out of here. Uh, I couldn't agree, I was, I couldn't agree more. Eight hours long. All right. Peace out. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.